lies within the trails we ride. You're listening to the Journey On Podcast with Warwick Schiller. Warwick is a horseman, trainer, international clinician, and author whose mission is to help people achieve a deeper connection with their horses through his transformational training program. Just because he knows that you know. G'day everyone, it's Warwick Schiller and welcome back to the Journey On podcast. Today we've got quite a bit of an interesting journey to talk about. In 2018, my wife Robin and I represented Australia in reigning at the World Equestrian Games in Tryon, North Carolina. And so today, my very, very special guest here in the studio is my darling wife, Robin. Welcome. Hi. Don't be shy. The microphone's not going to bite you. Don't worry. I won't be shy. Okay. So today we are going to talk about our journey to the World of Question Games. So you, Robin, had a lot to do with the start of it. So why don't you start out and tell us where the whole thing, the whole journey came from? A lot to do with the start of it? Question mark? You mean a lot to do with everything? Okay, you had a lot to do with all of it, but especially the start of it. So tell us all about that. Okay, yeah. I mean, I had to talk you into it, really. Um, Late 2017, we were getting rumblings that Australia wasn't going to hold the required number of qualifying shows. So we... Let's talk about that. So for the World Equestrian Games, each... National Federation was required to host at least one qualifier in their home country. And then in order for that country to have representation at the World Equestrian Games. But as a rider, you had to show in three qualifiers. So we were told that Australia would hold the one that they were required to so that they could have a team, but they weren't going to hold more than one. So what that meant for us was that if there were any Australians living in Australia that wanted to try out for the team, they were going to have to fly to the U.S. or fly to Europe to do their other qualifiers. And we didn't, we were hearing the rumblings that that wasn't going to happen. And since we live in the U.S., it opened up an opportunity for us to try to go to the World Equestrian Games for the second time. We had both been in 2010, and we both thought that was like a a one-in-a-lifetime thing. So when this opportunity came up, of course, I jumped on it, and I I talked work into into starting down this journey. Yeah, and it just happened to turn out that... um... You know, I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but 2017, I spent the whole year figuring out new stuff in front of crowds of people at clinics. And I kind of, and at the end of the year, I was like, you know what, I got to take a step back and kind of um, reassess this stuff. And so I decided not to do any clinics in 2018. And, And I'd already decided not to do any clinics in 2018 before this really even came up. So it was all very serendipitous that I... I was going to have the time um, to be able to do it as well as uh, the opportunity arose. Yeah, because to do this, it's it's a campaign. I mean, it is, um, you know, the Federation, maybe other federations help um, monetarily and so forth. But for Australia, because, you know, reigning was kind of a new sport to them. We hadn't proven ourselves, so we didn't get a lot 
actually we didn't get any funding. So, you know, if you were going to go do this, it had to be on your dime and your time. And you had to be, you know, you had to be pretty committed to doing it. So, so in 2017, we had some decisions to make if we were going to start to try to qualify. Um, one was surrounding, the biggest one is, is about horses and horsepower. We had, uh, we were lucky enough that we had um, Petey, who's plenty of guns, um, who met the age requirements. But we really didn't have, at that point, we had Sherlock, but, you know, he was, he was not being ridden. Um, that was part of what Warwick was trying to work out. So I had a young horse at that point in time, and um, I had flippantly mentioned to uh, our marketing person at the time how her mare would work out better for me, and maybe we should do a tradesy. And I, I did say it flippantly. However, about a week later, she called me up and said, were you serious about that? Because, you know, I, I would think about doing that. And that is how we came to own Bella. So that was September-ish of 2017 when we did the trade. And um, I allowed her to show Bella in one more show, which was in October. And that's when we had we, we started doing all the passport things, which is a long process as well, the horse passporting, because there was a show, a first qualifier in October of, or sorry, November of 2017 that we had planned to go to, to start the, the campaign off. Well, Bella arrived at our place and we were in New Zealand and we had a house sitter. So we were at uh, Equidise yep. Horse so, Expo in New Zealand. Yep. So she arrived um, and she was put in the barn she was barefoot, and the closest horse to her was Petey, who was out in a paddock. You know, she could see him occasionally, but what we came to find out later was Bella had been lived, she had lived in a stall her whole life. She really hadn't had any turnout or anything, so she'd, ha- she'd always lived by other horses. So she spent the five days before we got home pacing back and forth. So by the time we got home, her front feet were in pretty bad condition. So well, they didn't look like they're in bad no, condition. She, she was, looked she hadn't she worn anything off them, yeah. but she she was pretty tender footed. So we started to figure out what we could do about that and decided that there was nothing we could do in time to go to a show in two weeks' time. So that first qualifier in November we we postponed. And then we also had the opportunity to purchase uh, a package deal of horses, uh, which you would, if you followed us at all, you would know as Cooper and Oscar. So we bought Cooper because Warwick needed to get back in the show pen. I had been showing, but Warwick hadn't. And so Cooper... Yeah, I hadn't been showing for three years. Yeah, so Cooper... um, Cooper was a derby horse, so a younger horse, so Warwick could get back in the show pen under some stressful situations because, you know, Wegg was going to be stressful. And Oscar, I thought I needed a backup seeing that Bella was uh, questionably going to be sound enough to show. So 
It just worked out perfect, Oscar. You know, I thought, well, I could show him in the qualifiers. We both kind of thought, well, you know, we have an opportunity. Maybe we can borrow horses to show at the WEG. So let's just get through the qualifiers. Um, so that took us up to uh, kind of the first part of January 2018. The first qualifier was in Oklahoma, which is about a 30-hour drive from us in California. So, um, and, and we and didn't, it's, and it's winter time, yeah, winter time. And we didn't have a horse trailer that had four, a four horse trailer. So we ended up finding somebody else from California who was going. So he drove out, he drove the horses out there for us. He's actually a French guy who lives in California and he was trying to get qualified for the French team for the water question games. So it worked out well. He, he drove the horses out there, um, and at that show, it was evident who was um, going to try out for the team. And it was Martin and Shauna Larkham, uh, Warwick and myself, and Dan James, who had driven from Kentucky um, down to qualify. So it was kind of cool that our first, you know, the first qualifier ended up being all the people on the team. So um, that was pretty cool. And that was a cold, miserable place, but we all got our qualifying scores. Um, of course, the girls were the best scores, Shauna and I. Um, I hadn't shown Oscar yet, and I, I had been given the advice to not do much with him before you go in the arena. So I had ridden him earlier in the morning, and literally before the class, I think I walked around on him for five minutes and then took him in the class, and he was a little machine. So it was quite fun. So that was... Yeah, and I, and, I showed Petey. Um, and you know, Petey was oh, actually Petey at that qualifier. Petey did something going through the middle. So you know, in with a reigning horse, probably the danger zone is in the middle of the arena because everything happens there. When you walk in, you know, if you're going to start your pattern when you walk in, you're either going to lope off, you're going to spin, or if you're running circles, when you go through the middle, you might change leads and go the other way. And so that's where you know the middle is kind of like the danger zone a little bit, and. Running right circles on him. He did something really weird when I came through the middle. And um, it was probably something I end up having to work on all year. And we can tell a story a little bit about it later on. But, yeah, that thing popped up for me for a bit of a loop. And I also felt like I was brushing my teeth with my left hand sort of thing. You know, I hadn't shown for a couple of years. so. And then I showed Cooper there and I think it was quite horrible. <laughs> You refrained from coming. He wasn't very good, was he? I wasn't very good, one or the other. It's all right. We were rusty. We I got to rusty. show Bella. I did get to show Bella, and she did a weird thing there. So I had, at this point, you know, we're in California, so it had rained a little bit, and we have an outside arena, so I hadn't gotten to stop her much. I hadn't done much of that with her, and... At that show, I finally got to be in a big, long arena and got her running good. And I've, I have never had another horse that was as fun to stop as her. And that's saying something because we had this stallion named Smart Like Smart. He was super fun to run and stop. But Bella, she was amazing. I only got to stop her maybe four times, but they were the best four stops I've ever had on a horse. But then she did something weird as well. Um, her, yeah, she had some weird 
shakes and we had somebody work on her and we got through the class, but she just was, she just didn't like, feel Strange right. muscle yeah. twitches, strange, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was really weird. We never figured out what it was. Um, but anyway, we got her, she, she, I did get her shown and I got a qualifying score on her as well, but, uh, it was a good thing. I had a backup horse. That's for sure. Yeah, so that, that show all went... Yeah, went great. Went quite well. We came home, um, didn't really go anywhere, didn't do anything in February. And then in March, we went to... We had a qualifier in Scottsdale, Arizona. And Scottsdale, Arizona is about uh, about 680-something miles from here, about 1,000 kilometres from here. And... That qualifier, there was that qualifier and there was one three weeks later in Houston, Texas or Katy, Texas at the National Running Breeders Classic to NRBC, which is one of the biggest shows there is. And how much time was there between them? A couple of weeks, wasn't there? Yeah, three, uh, two or three weeks. And so what we decided to do was we we're going to drive to Arizona. So it, for us to go to to Houston for that show, it's 3,000 kilometres one way, 1,850 miles one way. And so what we decided was why drive to Arizona, which is, a, you know, 680 miles, and then drive back another 680 miles and then have to turn around a couple of weeks later and go back again. So we thought we decided we'd go on a bit of a road trip. So we had the horses and the dogs. And, and we bought a, a used uh, four-horse living quarters. So, yeah, we were ready. to. We packed that sucker down. And so we went to, went to the show in Arizona. Which is the Arizona Running Classic, isn't it? No, Cactus Classic. Cactus Classic, used sorry. To be the used Arizona to be the Arizona Running Classic, Classic back in the day. And um, so what happened there? So what happened there? So we showed in the qualifier. Bella was not right again, and I didn't. I ended up not showing her in the qualifier. Um, I had shown uh, little Oski, and we got another. We got our second score, so we were happy with that. So I didn't. I didn't put Bella in there. And you showed PD, and yeah, we did. Showed PD, got a qualifying score, and then he was, he wasn't too bad. I just still wasn't, you know, I wasn't real happy. I wasn't getting stopped like I should be able to get stopped. So I was, you know, I was fighting my head about that a little bit. Uh, I also showed Cooper in the Derby there, and you know, it was just okay. And that was just that was probably Oscar and I's worst show. We got a qualifying score, but just by the skin of our teeth. Oh, really? I think he showed me that show. Oh, did he? Yeah. Then you left and went to Dan's. Yeah, well, not to Dan's, but yeah, to oh, Kentucky. Yeah. So Dan James was competing in the road to the horse, and he had wanted me to come back there and support him. And I had the show on that same weekend, and but the we were going to show on the qualifier on Friday night, I think. And then the derby that I showed Cooper in was Saturday night. So as soon as I got done showing Cooper... We get him all hosed off, dried off, put away, and then Robin t- drives me to the airport, and I take the red eye from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, to some other ungodly place. I don't know, Detroit or Chicago, probably Chicago, something like that, and then took another flight to Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, for the for the uh, road to the horse. And I got so I flew all night, and I got off the plane in. Uh, Lexington, grabbed my bag, ran outside, got picked up, driven straight out to the Kentucky Horse Park, parked outside, ran inside the building. So the finals were on Sunday, and that was the year that they had to do two horses. Run up the steps of the building, run inside just to see Dan exiting the arena on his second horse. So here I have flown all night long to go see Dan in the road to the horse, and 
I miss it because he drew up first in the final. So I got so I got to watch um, Nick Dowers and my other friend Vicky Wilson. Yeah, so that was it was good. But so then we I stayed the night at Dan's and then I flew back to Arizona Monday morning. And then where'd we go? Oh, we stayed in Arizona yeah, for a week. Yeah, we went out. I found this place that was bordering on the um, on Tonto of, National Forest. Okay, yeah, really wasn't a forest. It's more of a. But it's called the Tonto National yeah, Forest. It's, it's basically like a, a lot of cactuses, a lot of cacti. Cactus. So we we uh, parked the trailer and had places for the horses, and we stayed there for five or six days. Mm, trail road in the desert every yeah, day. It was that beautiful. Was fun. That's when we found out that Oscar is better in the arena than on the trail. There was, I think you did um, a clip on how to, you know, if your horse wants to take <laughs> off, you just not point ta- him at the cactus. Not take off, but if you pick up on the reins, and it'd be like if you're riding a horse around the arena, and you pick up on the reins, and they don't, they don't stop when you pick up on the reins. Instead of pulling harder, you can just kind of turn them into the fence. And so with Oscar, we're trail riding, and he'd get a little up, t- you know, he, he, not by any means was he wound up like you see some horses, but, you know, you'd be riding along and he'd get the jig jogged and you'd pick your hand up and you didn't come, you know, use your seat and pick your hand up and he didn't come back to you. So I would just do that and then point him towards a cactus and he'd slow down and then I'd, I'd let go and point him back on the little track again. But He was uh, not harmed in any way. Yeah, he was not harmed cactuses. in any way. He didn't hit any Petey cactuses. was. Yeah, so if anybody's ever seen a movie called Unbranded, so it's about three young guys from, I think they went to Texas A&M, what is Texas A&M? What's that A&M stand for? Agriculture. And mechanical, maybe? Um, it's a university in Texas. Anyway, they decided they wanted to get some Mustangs, start these Mustangs and ride them from the Mexican border to the Canadian border on the whatever trail that's called. There's one up the middle that goes through Arizona. There's one on the left, on the west coast out here called the Pacific Coast Trail. I'm not sure what that one was called. but they So they wanted to ride these horses from Mexico to... Uh, Canada and the opening scene of that they're in they're in the desert in Arizona and there's a type of cactus there called a jumping choya so choya is spelled c h o l l a um and it is so you know in spanish two l's has a y pronunciation and so they're called choya and the reason they're called jumping choya because you uh, it's almost like they're magnets you go anywhere near these things and spikes will jump off and Getcha. And um, in the opening scene of that unbranded movie, there's a guy, his horse has got one on his nose. And so he's he's standing in front of it with a pair of pliers or something, trying to pull this cactus thing out of this horse's nose. And of course, the horse strikes with both front feet and strikes him down the head. And then in the background, another guy's horse is backed into some choya. And that guy's horse bucks around through the cactus and bucks him off in a pile of rocks. And it's a whole mess. Well, We'd been trail riding probably three or like every day for three or four days or something or other, and not had that happen. But there's a lot of jumping choya there, and I had a call of nature, and so I got off Petey, and I'm holding the, you know the, the lead rope in one hand, or the, the rein in one hand, and the other thing I'm holding when you're answering a call of nature in the other hand, and I'm paying more attention to that hand than the hand that holds the reins. And Petey has just kind of turned and went, "Oh, what's that?" and sniffed one of those jumping choya. And got this big jumping choya stuck in his nostril, on his nose, side of his face actually, just above his lips, between his lips and his uh, and his nostril on the right side. And uh, I thought, I'll just get the reins and make a loop out of the reins and kind of put it over the top of it and cinch that loop down and pull it out. Well, they don't want to come out. So we actually rode back to camp and I got a pair of uh, 
channel locks, I think, out of the trailer, like a pair of pliers sort of thing. And I was trying to grab a hold of this thing and Petey would do exact, but I wasn't stupid enough to stand in front of him, but Petey was doing exactly what that horse in the movie did and strike out and almost cross both front legs when they strike. And um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And a lady that was camping there, she rode past and she goes, oh, you need to get a, um, oh, what do you call those combs the girls tease their hair with with the really long teeth and the teeth are quite a ways apart with a teasing comb maybe and so she went and got one of those and so I got it and I just scraped it down the side of his face and the teeth went in behind the cactus and it pulled the cactus out and then he had all these little little barbs stuck in the side of his face poor fella so luckily we had some demosidan gel and so I gave him some demosidan gel and waited for oh probably an hour till he was nice and drowsy and then I got a pair of tweezers and um plucked them out one at a time because I, I think we didn't we put um, some sort of baby oil or something on his face too so it softens them yeah and then when because they've got a barb on the end of them and if you try to pull them out like the like the 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 skin comes out in a little peak you know yeah um but once they soften you put you can pull them out and they'd open up so yeah I learned something a little bit about jumping choya then uh, what else did we do while we we're there anything interesting there? went to the river yeah. got lost a few times on the trails but yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, it was it was uh, that that desert, and it was winter, uh, not winter time, but it's March, spring, so it's yep. spring. But that desert in the winter or springtime is absolutely beautiful. There, in the summertime, it's a hundred and fifteen, hundred fifteen degrees Fahrenheit. You know, it's forty five degrees Celsius every day for like two or three months. So it would be nasty then, but it was just absolutely stunning. And you know, you get down to those dry riverbeds and just so be in the sand of that dry riverbeds and you could just go for miles and miles it was i'd love to do that again it was pretty fun mm, it was fun then we drove to texas um and we went we went to a place outside of austin we were thinking maybe we would relocate to texas at some some point in time and so and we don't like flat dry texas yeah, we like trees and so, running streams and green grass and stuff so we went and had a look around a place called Dripping Springs and we trail rode there and had a really good uh, little place that we stopped there. Yeah, it was very cool. We were lucky that the um, blue bonnets were out. So yeah. in Texas, for about a period of about 10 days, I think, in the spring, these little blue flowers called blue bonnets come out and they're everywhere. And they, um, if, you, if anybody here's from Australia and you know what Patterson's Curse is, it looks like a crop of pat. It's not as tall as Pato, of course, but it's that much of it but it's a wildflower it's not a weed and so yeah they're absolutely beautiful and they just happened to be out while we were there trail riding so it was gorgeous then we went to our friend's place uh well martin martin larkham where he where he trains out of in um pilot point texas so we stayed there for a week before we were going to drive on to houston so we camped out there and rode every day with them and that was pretty pretty fun then we drove on to Katy. Yeah, and it was, you know, from there it was only about five hours down to yep. down to Houston. And we got to the show quite early, like 10 days before we needed to show. Actually, a week before we needed to show, but Warwick had to go to Equine Affair. So in I wanted Columbus, to, Ohio. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to get there and get settled in, and then, then he, could, he could leave and then come back. So, so we did that. We got there quite early. Had really gross thing happen there. Um, the horses got ticks in their ears. Oh yes, that, that was, was crazy. Never seen anything like it before. But and the way we knew, they just they started shaking their head 
Well, one of them did, and and I forget which one. Was it Cooper that was so bad? Or no, it was Petey. No, Petey was the one that was most offended. No, but Cooper had that eye twitchy thing oh, that day. Right. His eyeball looked like a pulsing heart. Like his eyeball that's was right. like pulsing and almost popping out of his head, and he had the head shakes too. But, yeah, they all had ticks in their ears, and I don't know where we got the ticks. I don't either. And it was it was really, you know, it was really gross. And because we were we were going to be showing... In the qualifier, you know, FEI has very strict drug regulations, which, you know, doesn't worry us. But in that doesn't, situation... It doesn't worry us in the fact we're using illegal drugs. Oh, but, sorry, yeah. But you have to be careful what fly spray you put on. You have to, you know... If you can't they even get, use lavender. You can't use lavender? No. Really? Lavender is on their prohibited list. Really? So, I mean, you think about even natural stuff, some of it you can't yeah. use. So you have to be... Competing in that FEI stuff, you have to be very... Cognizant of anything like that, things something might be in their feed. Um, yeah, and you're responsible. And you're yeah, you're responsible. If you if it doesn't matter how it got there, I don't there. know or I wasn't aware is not a good answer. Right, they don't take that for an answer. But yeah, so like fly spray. Um, well, and to treat the ticks, what they what the vet decided to do is put a wormer in the ears, and so, and so we an couldn't oral do, wormer, yeah. like a paste wormer that you would worm a horse. Yeah, through their mouth would, yeah, to their stomach. Shell. And so they did that to Cooper, but we couldn't do that to Petey and Oscar. So I just went in and picked them all out. It was gross. And how many ticks did you get at Oscar's ear one day? Oh, God. It was in the like, 30s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was disgusting. I felt so bad for them. Luckily, Oscar, one of Oscar's favorite things to do is for you to scratch the inside of his ears. So yes. Robin spent hours there just... Messing around inside his ear. Anyway, so that show went well. Um, uh, yeah, we got we got qualified. We got we, qualified. You so we switched horses because there was a bigger bigger class that I could show in on the last day, and so I thought that maybe um, it it gave me the opportunity to kind of win a lot of money, so we could pay for some of this, and so we switched horses in Warwick um, Road. Uh, we had we had two qualifying scores, so all we needed to do was not be a, a zero score. So we didn't need another, you know, good score. Good score. We just needed any score. So we decided that we would. Sh- I would go in and get back, get the feel back on Petey because I was going to show him in the in the last class on the last day, and so I kind of just loped him around to get the feel of him, and then so Warwick rode Oscar in that one because you don't have to. You don't have to qualify on the same horse that you – you don't have to sh- compete on the same horse you qualify on. You don't have to qualify on one horse. But um, that's for the Australian that, – you know, each national federation can make that up on their own. I think, you know, for the Americans, they had to show the horse they were going to yeah. compete on. So that worked out. And then the next day uh, in the class – actually, I ended up doing better on Oscar um, – I had entered Petey in the big dollar class and I didn't enter Oscar in the big dollar class in hindsight being 2020. I did better on Oscar. So some of you might be confused about entering what class or whatever. A lot of times at the reigning shows, they run classes what they call concurrently. So this, you know, this class, you might, you might, you could enter three different divisions of a class, or maybe there's sometimes two classes ran together and you enter both of them, but you only do one run. And so Robin entered the 
in at the non-pro, didn't you, on PDN Oscar, mm-hmm. and then then that wasn't and the a lot of money. Non-pro. And the intermediate non-pro, and that was only like a thousand dollar ad or something rather. But the the um, maturity yeah. had a lot of money added to it, didn't it? And I only entered PD in that because I thought I had the better chance on PD because I knew him, you know, I knew him better. And Oscar still wasn't so when we first got Oscar, you know, he was thirteen at the time, maybe. Yeah, 13 when we bought him. And we just thought, we'll just go with what he is, right? He's done a great job. I'm just going to get qualified on him. I'm not going to spend time trying to change him at all. And so, you know, there were still some things at this point in time that I didn't, not that I didn't like about him, but could have been better that I hadn't, we hadn't addressed yet. And so... You know, I just didn't enter him in that class. Ended up doing better on Oscar. Ended up winning, you know, enough money to cover part of the trip. Well, the funny thing was, Petey won all the money. Yeah. But Oscar actually scored better than yeah. Petey, but Oscar wasn't in that class. But what did yeah. you win? About 4000 5000 5000 So, but this gives you an idea of what the sport's like. Uh, so Robin goes in the office and picks up her winnings check for $5,000. And then we give them a check for about $5,000 right. for stalls and yeah. entry fees and all that sort of stuff. So I when think you, we came out ahead on that one. We came out a little bit ahead, but, it, you know, but that kind of – I'd tell you what, if you had a, if you had ended Oscar, oh, you would have won awesome. probably another 7000 yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, that's how it goes. So we got done uh, with that show. Now, coming home from there – well, I'll tell you before loaded we Loaded down. Yeah, we were loaded like down. But before we left, so the tr- – the, the the tires on these big horse trailers here in America they're an odd a lot of times they're an odd size tire where you can't get them at car stores but at the big truck stops or big truck tire places they don't have those either and so what I did before we left California so I've got it's a it's got two axles the trailer so I've got four tires on there I've got a spare tire that is mounted on the on the trailer. As a spare. As a spare. And then on the roof, I've got another spare tire that's not mounted on anything. Plus, I've got another spare tire for the truck up there as well, I think. Um, so coming back from coming back from that show, we'll drive along in a bluer tire. So we pull over. I change the tire. So now I've got a – the spare tire is blown. It's on a rim, but it's now blown. But I've got a, another tire that's not mounted on the roof. So we drive along and come to the, come to the next tire shop, and I just pull in there and – throw the one down off the roof and get that spare with the blown one and just have them mount that on that tire and then on that rim and then off we go again and I don't know, a few hours later we blow another one. Driving too fast. Loaded down. Loaded down. Because in Texas the speed limit is the same for every car or truck. Well, see, in California it's not. In California the speed limit, if you have, if you're towing something, is 55 miles an hour, which is 88 kilometres an hour for you kilometre people. And the... Uh, speed limit if you're not towing a vehicle is 65 or 70 70, one or the other whereas in texas i think it's 75 75. for everybody now in arizona it's 75 during the day and no that's texas 75 during the day 70 at night oh is it okay arizona it's flat 75 but we've got you know we've got uh 1800 miles you know 3000 kilometers to get home so you're zooming along and it's just long straight roads but it is hot. It was hot. And when when you load it down and you've and it's hot, I think that that affects um, those tires. But anyway, th- this is all about preparation. So if I hadn't had that, um, 
the spare spare, when we blew that second tyre, we'd have been stuck in the middle of nowhere. And I'm pretty sure no tyre shop in the area would have had one of those. And then what we did after that was we started calling ahead. Um, to get the, another spare. To get another spare. And we drove a little bit slower, I think. <laughs> but I think the, I drove after that. Did you drive that? Was I driving when it blew? When both of those blew? I think so. Was I? Mm. you got to get home. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's just a bit about preparation. But it, cause, and, and how I know that is because I've been stuck in the middle of nowhere before where you change the tyre and off you go. But then when you're trying to replace that spare, I haven't had blown two in the one day like that, but when you're trying to replace that spare, you drive around, you can't find one. And so I knew before we left that I needed to have that. Um... And you don't want to have to be stuck on the side of a road with four horses. In bloody Texas. hot, no. hot Texas. Not fun. Okay, so we get home from that trip. Yeah. And then what, what, what happens next in our, in our um, WEG journey? Well, we had some weird luck then. We had some weird luck. Um, Oscar decided that he didn't want to eat his grain one day, and that is not like him. So we got the vet out right away, and he ended up at the at the vet surgery hospital for a couple days. They couldn't really ever find anything. Like he, his bloods were off. He didn't colic, but he just wasn't right. So he had a little stint in the hospital. That was in June of 2018, and then Petey ended up getting sore. So you know, yeah, you know, one of the this whole world of question games thing because they're very very strict with their drug rules. You really need to make sure when you're going to do this that you've got. Um, horses that are really, really sound that don't need a whole lot of maintenance or whatever. And Petey had never really been had any problems. No. And Oscar, Oscar hadn't. hadn't had any problems. And then, you know, Oscar has that colic. And then, then Petey gets sore. So uh, Petey has a bit of time off. And we started treating Petey with shockwave. Um, shock, what is it called? Yeah, shockwave shock therapy. Yeah. And what we, when we, so we started doing both of his hocks and his SI left joint. front. Didn't you have a front foot too? I don't think so. I'm pretty oh, sure we did. Okay. Oh, well, that was what was hurt. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so we started doing the shockwave on his his um, left front foot, both hocks, and his SI joint. So his sacroiliac joint. And the reason we did that is because, you know, many a few years ago, I'd always thought there was something not quite right with Petey, but... Nothing wrong. And, and vets couldn't find her anything. And so we sent him down to a big equine surgery place about oh, four or five hours south of here. And they have a um, nuclear scan. And so they can, they put in some sort of a radioactive dye in the horses and scan the whole horse. And he lit up in his SI joint. And so at the time, they inject, you can't actually inject into it, but you can inject a steroid around it or whatever. But, um, you know, there's not a lot you can do for it. But anyway, so we but we had this vet that we had, she said, you know, it's good for SI joints. And I said, well, let's do his SI joint while we're doing it. And we, you know, our horses are insured for um, major medical and stuff. And so the vet said, yeah, this stuff's covered. So she starts going away with this, this um, 
What do you call it? Shockwave. Shockwave therapy. And it ticks, and it, it ticks about this speed. Tick, 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 tick. Every, yeah. every one of those ticks is 33 cents. So tick, tick, one dollar. $2. And, and so it goes on for a long time. It goes on for a long time. And I think it was like $300 a site yeah. per visit. Yes. Yeah. And insurance and we, and didn't cover it. Insurance didn't cover it. So we had a huge they shock. didn't cover all of it. When the, when, the vet, it. when the vet bill came, it was like, holy cow. But anyway. So, what, and then this do. is, you know, this, so now we're into July of 2018, and PD's not 100%. We, we do get. Word that yes, you know the five of us that we're trying out, we're official, we're on the team. Um, we still don't know who the alternate is. But and, and so the alternate, so there's four team members and one alternate. Now, uh, I was on the Australian team in 2010 at Lexington, Kentucky, and Robin was the alternate. So at the time, the alternate does not get to compete unless. One of the riders or horses has some sort of a problem where they can't compete, and then that she steps in, which didn't happen there. But at this one, the rules were the alternate gets to compete in the first round, but their score does not count. So the the first round at the World Equestrian Games is the team competition. So everybody competes, and the there's four on the team, and the top three team scores counts towards the the medals. Um, but the alternate gets to compete as well. Their score doesn't count towards the medals, but if they're good enough, they can actually go into the individual finals, which is two or three days later. Yep. And so at this point in time, we don't know who the alternate is, do we? Yeah, no. And so, yeah, so Petey's not right, and we have this cute little sorrel horse out in the paddock named Sherlock, and so Sherlock's the horse I oh, talked well, about in episode too. Sherlock's horse I talked about in episode one that you know Robin bought him as a reigning horse and then he had some weird things going on and he's really the one that led me down this garden path of wherever the hell I'm heading to right now and his reigning maneuvers are pretty amazing but he just always had that level of tension that got in the way so I thought well you know it's been a couple of years two or three years now and he's we've been just letting him hang out and well so, and I'll back up to say that we had decided that if we were going to do this thing, we were going to do it our way and we're going to do it with our horses for so many reasons. You know, we knew them better than it. You know, if you're going to go borrow a horse to catch ride, it's pretty tough. You know, I don't think either of us are good enough to go do that and do it well. Like Martin, he was catch riding a horse and he's dang good enough to do that. But we just thought that it's better to have them in our control, you know, with all the drug rules and having to keep track of all the shots and all the passport stuff, you know, to have them be ours and under our influence and our control and be, you know, us be familiar with them that we may not have the best horses, but we would have the, we would have a better opportunity on our horses to do well. So we had decided that Oscar and Petey were going to be it to show at the games and so we did start working on some stuff with Oscar, you know, trying to fix some of that stuff. We didn't get all the way where I wanted to be by the time the wag came around. But so anyway, that leads us to, you know, Petey being out of service. We're like, OK, well, what's our backup plan? Well, we have Sherlock. Let's start riding him. Let's start the passport process with him just as, you know, in case Petey doesn't get better. We thought he would. You know, we thought we would be able to get him 
feeling fine. Um, changing his shoeing and doing a few different, doing the shockwave. And it worked really well. So we took, um, we took both of them uh, to a show in August. And Warwick got to show, uh, Petey was better by then. Still not 100%, but he was nearly 100%. And so, so I showed him showed and him and, and Sherlock, Sherlock, and they got the answer that Sherlock is not ready to go. Yeah. You do that, especially again. at that, at that, especially place. at that level. I mean, he wasn't too bad, but he just you know yeah. still got that goes in that show ring and got that level of attention. A so bit tight, yeah. So then, um, what did we do? So the end of August is is when okay. So so we went to that show. Did you show Oscar? I or you just schooled him. him? Yeah. I schooled him. And so I showed him at Raining by the Bay in July. And he was he was pretty good. Okay, and then yeah, so we went to the show in August. I showed Petey, and he won his two, two classes. classes. Yep. Um, Robin just schooled Oscar, and so what we refer to by when schooling is the thing with these reining horses is you go in the arena, and you're going to have to do really hard stuff at high speeds on a loose rein, and they have to be paying attention to you. They cannot take over and. Start showing you sort of thing. And so if Which every, Oscar's really good at. Oscar can do that. So if you go in there every time and compete and run hard every time, pretty soon you go in there and all they think they want to do is run fast. They're not waiting on you. And it's not they're trying to get away with anything. They're just not waiting for you. And so when, when we school them, you take them in there under show conditions and you go in there and then you just kind of, Loop around. You don't go fast. You might not do some of the maneuvers. I don't think you change leads. I didn't spin. You didn't spin. Um, and so Robin's uh, schooled Oscar. Oscar there, yeah. So then, then what happened? Then our people came. Oh, so, yeah. so our people. Let's talk about our people. So because we had our own horses, uh, let's back up. Okay, just back, up back up. For the for the World of Question Games, you. You get a certain number of passes for every competitor. So the competitor gets a, a pass, you know, because you're a competitor. You get a spouse pass, so you get one pass for your spouse. And every every competitor has a groom for your horse, so you get a groom pass, and then you get an owner's pass. And so basically for every horse, you've got four passes. And the groom thing is, you know, um, a lot of the other disciplines, the, the people don't actually brush and saddle their own horses. And I remember when we moved back to Australia and Robin was on, Robin and I were on the board for running Australia. This is back in 2010. Um, Robin started going to the FEI meetings in Australia. So the FEI in Australia is Equestrian Australia. And she'd go to the to the meetings and she was going to the meetings for the to organise the World Equestrian Games. And team, they, our team. That was our team, first team. Yeah, that yeah. was the first. That was the first, first time. Reigning team. First time Australia had a reigning team at the Water Question Games, and at one of those meetings, they, uh, oh, they were talking about grooms' accommodation or something, and they and Robin said, "Oh, we don't need any grooms' accommodation," and, and they said, "Why not?" She said, "We don't have any grooms," and they said, "Well, who's going to saddle your horse?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they couldn't fathom that they we, we saddle our own horses. Yeah. And wash them ourselves, um, and so you get so you get a, a like I said you get a competitor pass, you get a, um, a spouse pass, you get a oh, groom nice. pass, and an owner's pass. And so we both owned our own horses, so we basically get four passes for each horse. And and you groom, um, you've got to have a groom, I think. 
Yeah, I don't know if they won't let you go. I mean, you probably you could, probably yeah. get by without a groom, but I mean, but, yeah. but, but the groom's yeah. pass is not a. Oh, but all the passes have their names on them. Like you've got to yeah. submit pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like your owner's pass. The owner you have to send in the owner's name and the owner's picture, and it's a very official pass. And we wanted to have, we just wanted to have um, people around us that we enjoy their company. And so, uh, a friend of mine that trains horses here in California, Katie Negranti, I wanted her to be my groom. And then Robin's groom was going to be... Jane Pike. From New Zealand. So I talked about Jane in an earlier episode. She's a, a equine mindset coach or horse riding mental coach. And then another friend of ours from far north Queensland in Australia, Rachel Longworth. So when I do clinics up there, Rachel, I always stay with Rachel and, and um, she organises my clinics up there. We always have a fun time. And so... She was going to come over for it. And then Megan and, yeah. and Megan Harrison, who organises, she's from Australia and she organises my clinics in Victoria. Um, her and her husband, Andrew, were coming over. So they had we had some more passes for them. Did Who else did we have passes for? That's or is it. that it? Yep. Um, and so to get our horses back to Kentucky, Katie no, had offered. To North Carolina. To North, sorry, to North Carolina, for trial North Carolina. Katie had had. Um, offered to drive them back there for us and so Jane and Rachel had decided they're going to come over early and they're going to go on a road trip so it is it is 2,554 miles from here so that's 4,000 that's 4,100 kilometers if you're a kilometer person from here it's basically from one coast to the other yeah it's not quite to the other coast but it's it's not very far off of it and so they um so so you've got Katie, who's an American. And who has to drive the entire way. Who has to drive the entire way, yes. Um, Jane. Jane is from New Zealand. She's actually Australian originally, but she lives in New Zealand. And then Rachel, who's Australian. And so off they go on this big old road trip. So I think they went to Arizona the first day. So about 12 hours to Arizona. Yep. Where did they go the second day? Texas. Somewhere in Texas. And then the third day they stopped off at Missouri. Yep. And then the fourth day they got to Dan's place. And so it took them four days to get to Dan's place. We... We uh, flew out there. We decided to go a little early before the horses could get to try on and stop off at Dan James's place for a couple of days before, and then we'd all drive in. Yeah, just so in. they could have a bit of a rest. And, and, you know, once you get to the Water Question Games, there's, it's very structured. You know, there's nowhere to turn them out, things like that. So we thought after that long trailer ride, we'd rather go to Dan's where we can turn them out in the arena or turn them out in a pasture or yep. whatever. And so we went to Dan's for... Um, Two or three days. Two or three days there. And holy cow, that place was so hot. and oh, yeah. And hot and humid. It was just like the sweat would just run off of you. And so we had a, we had a couple of good days there. At the time, that crazy Kiki challenge thing was going around, like, Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Are you never, never. And so there's this little dance that goes along with it. So And uh, Brett Parbury, who's an Australian dressage rider, and he was on the Water Question Games team, both in 2010 and 18, he was keeping his horse Rabbit there. And so Dan's decided he's got this great idea that we're going to do this Kiki Challenge. Uh, we're going to do a Kiki Challenge video. And so, yeah. we Dan decides that's the operative. Yes, Dan didn't ask anybody. But Dan said, you were fine with it. I was it good was with it. It was Brett and I that had to be talked into. And, uh, yeah, so we did, and some of you may have seen that going around. It went a bit viral at the time. I remember being at the World Equestrian Games, walking around, like, where the vendors were. And we walked up to this one vendor. We're looking at 
jewelry or something rather than the lady behind the counter goes, you guys were in the Kiki Challenge. And they, oh, my goodness, can I get my picture taken with you? So it, and it went a little bit viral. We had a, several people approach us about the Kiki Challenge thing. But um, what was really cool about the whole Kiki Challenge video was that – so Brett had been coming out early in the morning because it's so hot. He'd been coming out early and riding uh, rabbit. And so this morning we're going to do this Kiki Challenge thing. So we start – video on different parts of it brett's not even there yet and he finally shows up and so ashley his groom gets rabbit already and uh, brett comes out walks in the room so this is a you know this is a warm blood okay and everybody has their perceptions of that level of warm blood brett comes out in the arena walks around a bit and so we'd been in that some of the stuff we'd been taking video of we we had all this australian stuff and one of them was this cape you put on so it was a yellow cape with a with uh, with uh, green, I think it had a green Southern Cross on it, the stars, and it had Australia written across it. And, and some of have been wearing this, wearing this uh, cape in some of these videos. And so we said to Brett, so we're going to do your bit. And so how, how the whole Kiki Challenge video went was it starts out, Dan and I are in the front of the truck, aren't we? Mm-hmm. That's right. So the video comes from the back seat, looks over between the seats and, and, it sees Dan reach forward and, and press play or something on the console of the thing and the Kiki song starts. And then the next thing that pans over to the window and outside the window, Robin's spinning Oscar. Well, at some point in time, we drive along and, and so we jump out and do the Kiki challenge because it was outside a car and all the dance yeah. thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but so we go along and then there's Robin out there spinning yeah, we Oscar. We don't need to know all this. No, stuff, I'm getting to the good we'll bit. We'll get to it. I've got to explain why. Brett is out the window. Okay. So then we said, what we should do, Brett, with you, or Dan says, what we should do with you, Brett, is you should do one-time tempi changes, which means flying lead change every stride beside the truck, and we'll have the, 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 the camera pointing out the window at you. So Brett hops on Rabbit, walks in the arena, and Dan says, hey, has he ever worn a, ever worn a cape on him? Brett's like, no. Nah. Dan says, here, throw this on. So they put the cape on Brett. He, I've got this on video. I've never shown anybody. I should dig this out. Brett walks. So he's just got Rabbit out of the stall. He walks down this side of the arena, walks across the other end, picks up a canter. Canter's about eight strides and then does 14 one-time flying lead changes. Perfect in a row. And he's just hopped on him. And Rabbit's just like boom, boom, boom. So then they come around beside the truck and goes along. And and uh, Brett does probably the 15 like you do for the, the Grand Prix freestyle Kerr thing beside the truck. And it was it was really, really cool. Brett was a very unwilling participant in that. But it was it was fun. It went kinda it went, went kind of viral and had a bit of the you know, one of the cool things about it was it had a bit of the the team vibe. You know, it wasn't just the Rainers that were doing stuff together. We had one of the dressage guys and you know World of Question Games in two thousand and ten, what was so I mean, it was a big deal being in the World Question Games. But what probably the most amazing part was that the Australians had a host hotel. And so you get there. We, we arrived at the hotel in Kentucky in 2010. And we don't know any of the dressage people, any of the eventers, or any of the jumpers. And being that, uh, you know, this is the first Australian team for the World of Question Games. For the reigning. For the reigning. We kind of expect that these guys are going to treat it like redheaded stepchild, like we are the English people and you guys are those hokey cowboys. 
And nothing can be further from the truth. We got the first night we get there, they're like, hey, hey, go on, come out by the pool. They're having a barbecue, have a beer. Hey, so tell us about what you guys do and how do you do that? And how do you get them to do this? And how do you get them to do that? And yeah, it was very, very, very cool. Having the the whole team hotel thing was one of the coolest parts of uh, the World of Question Games in Kentucky. And and then because we shared the hotel together and you get to chat and whatever, they know when you're competing and they would come over. So there was an athlete stand. There wasn't an athlete stand at Tryon, was there? Not really. No. So they had an athlete stand, which means you don't need to have a pass or a seat to watch the competition. You can just go in the stand at the, at the back gate there, the athlete stand. So when we competed at uh, the World of Question Games in 2010, that first day that we competed, all the, you know, the dressage people were there and the eventers were there and they're all cheering us on. It was really, really cool team atmosphere. But when, because, so the World of Question Games at Tryon. Wasn't it, supposed to be at Tryon. No, it was supposed, supposed to, be. to be in Canada and Canada backed out like two years before. So 2016, they pulled out. And so Tryon stepped up and said, we can do it. Yeah, this guy's own, This place is owned by some wealthy guy and he said, I can pull it off. And I think the year leading up to the World of Question Games, he was spending a million dollars a day in construction on that place. And yeah, because it wasn't built yet. It wasn't finished yet. And so, uh, you know, when we get, you know, the place was not finished at all. It was like a construction zone. It was weird. The first day we got to, so we got any stories about getting to try on or not? Not really. We left Dan's, yep. go there. Um we oh, funny story from Dan's place. So one day, Dan's got a covered uh, an outside arena, but um, there's a lady he knows lives in the area has rainers, and she's got a covered arena, stinking hot. So we went over there to ride one day, and all the girls went in the car, and Dan and I went in the truck. We go over there, we ride, and then Dan and I are taking the horses back to the farm, and the girls are going to go shopping or something. No, we you? went to the uh, Kentucky Horse Park to have a look around. Oh, that's right, you went to the horse park. That's right. And so Dan's place that he's got there outside of uh, uh, Lexington, it's a long, narrow place. I forget how many acres it is, but it's a long, like you drive down a road and there's a good size, uh, let's say a two-acre pasture on your, two or four-acre pasture on your left side and two or four-acre pasture on your right side, all the way down, you know, from the, the front end when you get in down to his barn, which is way at the back. But there's a train track that goes across that. So his place is not very wide. It's long and narrow. But there's a train track that goes directly across the middle of it, cuts it in half sort of thing. And what the train drivers are supposed to do is as they – and there's a bend in the train track right before that crossing. So they come around the bend and before they come into sight, they hung, hung, hung on their horns. And so Dan and I are driving back from riding that day and we're chatting away and I'm – you know, I'm so it's in America and I'm on the right-hand side – Dan's driving, he's on the left-hand side. And we're chatting away and we get onto his place and we come up to the train crossing and he slows down, he's driving across and I'm looking to him, so I'm looking to my left and he's looking to his right at me and he says, oh shit, there's a train. And I turn and I look, the train driver hadn't honked and, and it's not travelling that fast, it's not like, you know, it was a near miss, but it's like we're halfway across the train tracks with three horses on the trailer that have got to be in the World of Question Games in about four days and there's a bloody train coming towards us so, Dan and I often go, hey, remember that time we were going to the World of Question Games and almost got hit by a train? Anyway, so we got done with Dan's. We get to we get to try on and it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? It was a bit of a mess. I mean, it was controlled chaos. Yeah, it was controlled chaos. But one of our rules was that we were, if we were, if anybody in our group took a turn down Negative Avenue, 
somebody had to like stop it. Like we were not going to allow negativity in. So, and there was a shit ton of stuff to be negative, negative about. So on, on the construction trip. Construction site yeah. we were in. So on the trip across America with Katie and Jane and Rachel, Jane went into a truck stop somewhere and tried to buy some water. Anyway, they couldn't understand when she said water. And so she was practicing her American water. And she was driving along and she'd be water, 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 just practicing all her different ways of saying water. And so when we got to the World of Question Games, we decided, and it's probably Jane brought this up, but she said, okay, we've got a safe word. If we're all talking and someone, one of us or someone else who's come up near us or whatever, starts thinking negatively, like thinking about bad things instead of good things, our safe word, son of us, someone just say water and then we'll change the subject or whatever. And so that became our safe word, didn't it? You did. We and, had to say it a few times. Yeah, but there's a lot to complain about. I mean, we were lucky when we got there, we were in the stalls that were attached to the covered arena that we showed in. That we showed in but the rainers that got there from some of the other countries that got there earlier, they were in another set of stalls somewhere completely different. And then the the day before we got there, maybe the day we got there, they had to they had to move all down there, and yeah, that was it was. There and was the a, Belgians didn't make us very welcome when we first arrived to to get into our stall. Yeah, we were actually stalled in an aisleway between the Germans and the Belgians. And in order to get to our like our stalls, we had to unload our trucks and trailers, and we had to walk through the Belgians. Like there was no other way to get our stuff to our stalls. We had to walk through their stalls. And, Not through their stalls, but well, you know, down that aisleway. down that aisleway, yeah. And oh my gosh, they would tie horses up, and they would be like, <sighs> roll their eye. Their eyes must have hurt from rolling so much. Water. I know. And we You're had getting to very water. negative right now. We had to water a lot that day. Actually, I think it was after that that we came up with water because I think we all just oh, thought, really? this is not good. We can't be in this situation anymore. Mm. So water might have come up after the move in because that was, it was, anyway. Anyway. They were less than helpful. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first day, do you think? I mean, I can't remember the days now. Like we, you know. Oh, so, the first, so we're supposed to, like at um, – Another one of the cool things about the World of Question Games in Kentucky is you get these food vouchers and you have an athlete's food hall. And so you go to this food hall, every competitor in the whole World of Question Games eats there. So you can go in there and all the eventers are in there and the jumpers are in there and the eventers are in there and the, uh, the um, driving people are in there and the para dressage are in there, the vaulters are in there. And it was really cool, like a really cool atmosphere. And so we were looking forward to that again too. So we get there and... There is no food available. There's, there's nothing. And, and on top of all this, Hurricane whatever it was, Florence, Florence. is coming. Okay. Florence, Hurricane Florence is a hurri- force. Uh, a category four. Category four hurricane heading towards North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a bit of a mess too. But, uh, yeah, like there was, there was no food available. I think we went for a walk and walk from one end of that place to the other and found a couple of sandwiches yeah. in, in something or other yeah, that, that, that first day. But nothing to complain about. But that night then we all got to find our accommodation. And Okay, yeah, we don't need to tell all these stories because they're all bad. Like, what? It, it's the accommodation. just all a schmuzzle. It's, it's all part of the journey. I know, but it's all part of the journey. There so, was a lot of adversity to overcome. Um, so all the rain is we got in one hotel. So 
I don't know if all the rainers, but there were some, some rainers from some other countries in our hotel. And our team, our running team was all in one hotel. Um, they had a lot of trouble with the groom's accommodation. Yeah. And at one point in time, they put them in FEMA tents. So FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Association. So these are tents they put up for... for um, Hurricanes. For, well, for, you know, when, when like the National Guard or some sort of NGO goes into a place where there's a natural disaster, they put these tents up. And so a lot of the grooms had to live in uh, FEMA tents. And, out, and so Katie and Jane one night, they had a room... In their hotel, this is partway through the World of Crushing Games. They had a room in the hotel. They go back to their room. I think Katie gets into bed. Jane's in the shower. And while Jane's in the shower, the door opens and these two Italian ladies come in. And they're like, what are you guys doing here? They had a room key. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? This is our room. We just checked in. And so apparently um, Jane and and Katie were supposed to get kicked out of that room. And I ended up getting a different. They ended up kicking out of there. Yeah, they ended up getting into another hotel that was on the way to our hotel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there was a, a whole lot of stuff to, uh, yeah, complain about if you wanted to. But the the thing for us is our our show arena was good. Yep, it was a good size, really big arena. The 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 ground was really good. Um, there was only a tiny little warm up out the back, so you know there wasn't much warm up, which kind of suited us. Yeah, both pretty horses. good because our horses don't need much much warm-up. Um, so those are the things that you have to consider when you consider the horse you're taking to the World Equestrian Games. Like, how sound are they? Um, how much warm-up do they need? You know, can you... It, it's just, yeah, you have to consider a lot of, of things like that. How needy are they? Like, they have to be in the stalls. You can't really take them anywhere. They have to yeah, be... Yeah, you can't like, take you them can't out. Take like, them. we wanted to take our horse for a walk outside and eat yeah. the grass. But once you got in those that barn, they couldn't leave the barn till after the... Or you had to have an escort. You no, you to... couldn't have an escort, oh, okay. this one. Oh, Last okay. time, at the World of Crash Games of 2010, you, you could, could. But this one, I forget why. But you couldn't take them out of the barn, so... Yeah. You know, so you couldn't take them for eat of some grass or whatever. And like it's that. very structured. Like you had specific times to warm up, and you know, you had a specific amount of time to warm up, and yeah, it was very structured. Yeah, you get. I think you get uh, an hour and fifteen minutes in the show arena. Like what they would do is they go okay from uh 9 to eleven o'clock tomorrow. The Australians and the Canadians and the Germans have the arena. And then, you know, and so they have two or three countries using it at the same time. So you've got 15 minutes in the warm-up arena first and then they allow you in there and like not a minute earlier, not a minute later sort of thing. And then you have a lot of... Uh, Which is really actually really good because it was so stinking hot. Oh, my God, it was it, hot. Oh, my gosh. Like Those you, horses couldn't handle any more than that anyway. Yeah, and most of your time was spent letting your horse catch his air. Yeah. Like we got big fans, fans in the corners and stuff and you get a little bit done and then you got to go over and stand for 15 minutes, let your horse catch your ear. Yeah. So I think it kind of helped that um, our horses didn't need a whole lot of, didn't need a whole lot of stuff. And so when, when Rob and I first got to the World Aggression Games, our, so every, every discipline for every team has what they call a chef de quip. So the, the, the official language for the World Equestrian Games is, French, or the official language of the 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 FEI. the FEI, which is Fédération Equestrienne Internationale, which is International Equestrian Federation English, but FEI is French, and so all the terms are in French. And so you 
your chef d'equipe, which is basically your chief of equipment or your team, team, manager. team manager, team coach, whatever. And so our team, our chef was uh, Rodney Peachy. So I've known Rodney since I was about 15, I think. I think we sold him a horse when I was about 15 as a kid in Australia. I've known him for forever. And so Rodney's been in the reigning in Australia as long as anybody, probably Martin Larkham's the Probably Martin and Rob Lawson, the other two have been in reigning for that long and stayed with it sort of thing. Um, very knowledgeable and uh, we'll, you know, he was a, our chef for the first World of Question Games and we're very glad to have him back again. I think he did Normandy too, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, and so when we first got to the World of Question Games, Rodney said to us, so what do you think you can score on these two horses? Because he doesn't really know these two horses. And the... Team, like I said, the team comp- The first round is the team competition and what determines the medals is the top three scores from each team. And he's got a fair idea what Martin can do on his. He's got a fair idea what Shauna can do on hers. They're the superstars. And so I think by this point in time we know that Dan's the alternate, don't we? I think it was the day before. or Yeah, I think it was the day before. Oh, really? That I finally said to Rodney, so, like, am I riding? Who's riding for the team? And he, he said, well, you and Warwick and Martin and Shauna. And I'm like, okay, well, you never made that clear. <laughs> Dan Dan assumed he was the alternate. I kind of, you know, I was it was a question mark to me. I, you know, I didn't take it for granted that I was, I was a team member until I harassed Rodney and got him to tell me. Yeah, so... Um- you know, so Rodney's been the chef for the, you know, this is his third World of Question Games. And so he's, he's trying to figure out, based on the last two World of Question Games, what it takes to be in the medals. Like, you know, what scores would we need to get into a, to a bronze medal? And so he kind of got a rough idea of what Martin can do and what Shauna can do. So he's wanting to know what we can do on our two horses. And I said, I think we both said, you know, probably about a two seventeen and a half would pull us up. You know, like if if... We've got our heads straight. We get our horses prepared, right? Because a big, a big part of any competition is your mental preparation. Also, like with a horse, the preparation leading up to it, and especially with the reining, like you know what you do the day before, how you tweak things, you know, because you're trying to step them up to where they can be as good as they can be on the day. But if you do that wrong, they're not as good as they can be. You have them a bit overcooked, and it doesn't work. So, you know, there's a lot goes into that. And luckily, we, you know, I've, we've had Petey for about seven years now. We haven't owned him for that long, but he used to belong to a client of mine. So I know a fair bit about Petey and Robin kind of had Oscar figured at this point in time. But we said, yeah, 217.5 probably pull us up. Uh, any more stories before we compete? Not really. No. So the first day. so you I ha- was the first one to go. So, so there were two days of the team event and they were broke out into AM and PM groups. So I was in the AM group. And they'll have one. One person per team in each group, basically. So I was in the first, I was the first one of us to go. And Oscar was awesome. And so were you. He was a 218. Actually, Oscar had a little, not many people noticed this, but so the first maneuvers were spins and then you had to lope off on your right lead into a large fast circle. Well, when we got into the arena, there was a massive, massive American flag that the crowd was holding to like looking at it from on on 
Oscar's back, it was to the right and up into the stands. So my right circles. So coming in, he didn't notice it and spinning, he didn't notice it. But when I loped off on my right to my right circles, he got a glimpse of that and he was not a fan. And so the whole first half part of my right circles, he kind of cut off a large part of that of that you know i think it felt like yeah i I think he might have been leaning like his feet were still on the track but his body was leaning in you know he didn't like that flag yeah i didn't i didn't ever know that until you told me later on but anyway he still he pulled it off and we were a 218 so a little bit better than what work said we could do so we were happy with that what we thought you could do what we thought we could yeah yeah um and so when did i go was i that afternoon you were that afternoon so i was that afternoon so i was a 217 and for me, it was kind of a bit of a surreal, you know, Petey was good and it was, and I was good. And it was kind of a surreal moment for me because I had never been that relaxed and focused and in the zone competing anywhere, anytime. This is the world of question games. Your ass cheeks are supposed to be clamped pretty tight shut. And it was just a, quite a surreal experience for me. How about you? Yeah. I mean... God, we could do a whole other podcast on what preparation we did, but it sure helped to have Jane there with us. Like she, we did a lot of work in the, you know, into the lead up of it with Jane. While like she mental was, preparation. Mental preparation while she was still in New Zealand. You know, she made hypnosis things for us. We did different exercises. Um, and I remember when I got a little bit nervous there I think it was the morning of and you know I texted her I'm like I'm I'm feeling the butterflies a little and she said just think instead of thinking about that think about um how grateful you are just find anything to be grateful for and I'm like well that's easy because I'm at the world equestrian game so I can find a ton of stuff to be grateful for um so that was one of the things that really helped with with me and then what about the five minutes after Oh, yeah, that that was the other thing. So um, it's an exercise that she calls anticipate success. So I've never been good at at doing the visualization. Whenever I do visualization, I always picture what can go wrong. And then I have to rewind, like, go, you know, it's like playing a movie and then going, rewind, redo that. I've never been good at it. And it's never been a bad thing because I've always, you know, performed okay. But at the World Equestrian Games, you know, you don't want to be doing that. So what Jane had me do instead of doing the visualization of the actual run, she had me picture myself 10 minutes after the successful completion of the run. And what did it look like? What did it feel like? What was happening? What was, you know, in as much detail as possible. And so when I was out warming up, you know, they give you 45 minutes, I think, before you go into the arena, you can go out into the warm-up pen so, you know, 45 minutes to prepare for the biggest run of your life, at least for me. And so I did that. I And it was easy to do because there was a process. Once you showed, you came out, you handed your horse off to your groom, and you went and did interviews. And so it so, was yeah, easy. The, the, the media has a whole thing right there, right beside the back gate. So you get off your horse, hand them to your groom, and then you just go over behind this barrier thing and all the media shoves stuff in your face so for me it was really easy to picture it and what i pictured was coming out handing oscar over to jane giving her a big high five saying oh my god i can't believe how good he was he's never been that good and it happened just like that 
Yeah, I think it was actually before we left home, before we went out there and Jane was here at the house, she told us about an alternating nostril breathing you no, can do. No, that was in the truck on the way from the hotel one morning. Oh, was it? Yep. No, I remember her showing me here, talking okay. about here, but I, I, don't I don't think that. she coached me on here. She was just talking about it, but she told me about this alternated nostril breathing. So what you do is you take your, say, your left hand and put your left thumb over your, oh no, sorry, you put your right forefinger, <laughs> take your left hand and put your forefinger over your right nostril, breathe in your left nostril, put your thumb on your left nostril and open your right nostril and out your right nostril, in your right nostril, close that one off, out your left nostril, in your left nostril. It's called an alternating nostril breathing technique. And it has a yoga name too. I can't it's got a yoga name, yeah, and it's supposed to help calm you down. And so I was pretty good leading up to the whole thing, but I think maybe the day before we showed, I got that, oh, I think I'm going to crap my pants sort of thing. <laughs> and I did that, and I did that for, you know, a couple of minutes, and that feeling went away. And I think later on that day, I, that feeling came up again, and then I did it, and it went away. And I think the morning of competing, at one point in time, I oops, did that. And then while I was in the warm-up walking around, and I started to get a bit nervous, I focused on that and it really brought me back down. But so, um, yeah, so I was at 217 and, and it was just, yeah, we we're talking about how surreal the whole thing was, how how I'd not, I'd not never felt that relaxed and in the zone ever. Yeah, and so, and so our teammates, uh, Shauna ended up kicking us all out of the ballpark. She was at 221 and a half. And she made it straight through to the individual finals with that score. Um, Martin had some bad luck, and he was only a 214, I think. So we were not in the medals. Dan was also did not have some great luck. He was he was lower than that. He's a 212, maybe, something like that. Yeah. yeah, anyway. So it ended up that we didn't get into the medals, but Warwick and I made it back to the individual semifinals, which was going to be the next uh, – the day, day after, yeah, so two days. Two days later. So they, for us. So they have the, you know, I said the first round is the individual, uh, the, the team medals, and then what happens is they have 20 horses in the individual finals for the individual medals, but they take 15 from the, the, the top, top 15, 15. From, the ind- uh, from the team round, and they go straight back to the finals, and then they take 16 to 35, so the next 20 horses, and they have a, a semifinals, and the top five of those go back to the individual finals. And so I scraped in and I was the 35th horse, so I scraped in the 35th place. And, you and then about, you had to go first, and right? Because in the semifinals. Because mm-hmm. um, then they reversed the order. Yeah, so they reversed the order of qualifying. So, yeah, so I went first. And was there one in front of me? There might have been one in front of you. I think it was – or was it Somebody, a scratch? I don't no, know. I don't know how that worked, but someone – yeah. Anyway, so um, – yeah, we had a day off and we got to walk around and have a look at, you know, go and visit the dressage people, go and see Brett and go and have a look at the jumping course. And, you know, somewhere in there they were supposed to have the opening <laughs> ceremony. And the, the opening ceremony at Kentucky was one of the highlights of it. I mean, there was the highlight of being competing in the World of Question Games, but then there was a highlight of being in the team hotel and all the camaraderie that went on with that. And then there was the opening ceremony where you get to march, you know, you do the, with your country, carrying your flag, the whole bit. 
in front of about 30,000 people. And that was very, very cool. I actually got to see Muhammad Ali there. Muhammad mm. Ali drove around that track in a powder blue convertible Cadillac, 1965 Cadillac or something or other. It was, it was very, very cool. Um, funnily enough, Dan James was Dan James and Dan Steers actually had an act in the opening act in the opening ceremony of the World of Question Game in 2010, which is an interesting story. If you ever listen to their podcast, um, they tell the whole story about that and, you know, how they how they saved up for 12 months and self-funded that whole thing, went over to America for three months before that, all on their own dime, gathered up these horses, trained them just to be able to be in the opening ceremony of the World of Question Games. Anyway, so we didn't have a world. We didn't have an opening ceremony. They, uh, you know, you get a team uniform, which is a blazer and a tie and a shirt, a nice pair of pants, a I whole had a bit. Skirt. You had a skirt, and we didn't. They they decided not to have people walk for the for the opening ceremony because of the impending Hurricane Florence. Mm. And so, uh, I think we all went back to the hotel. Yeah. Then it was a, it yep. was a bit of a non-event. Yep. Yeah, and so that was that might have been the the next day. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that was Thursday. So then Friday we have the um, semifinals. And I'm, I thought I was first, but I think for some reason someone went in front of me. Just listen to the telecast back yep. later on when they went, oh, this is not someone. So this is worried. Oh, that's right. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Um, and so I go in there and it's bloody amazing. I'm in the zone again. I'm in the flow. And we mark a 220. And the crowd went wild. And the crowd went wild. I went pretty wild, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you know, so in the raining, there, sometimes you go to a smaller show and there's one judge and sometimes you go to a bigger show and there's two judges and all the really big shows have three judges. And so, of course, you know, if you mark a... Or five judges. Or five judges and they drop... And they drop the, the high and the low. Which is you get, the you same get, as they did get, at the World of You get three games. scores. Um, and, you know, I've I've had good runs in shows where there's one judge and I've had good runs in shows where there's two judges, but I've never I've never been a 220. And so, and this is probably going to be my last reigning run, really. I'm not, you know, I'm heading in a different direction in life and so, and I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm walking out the gate and so I'm, I've got done with the run and I'm walking out the gate. So I've got a big Globetron thing in the screen in the middle of the arena up above and I'm looking at Rodney Peachy and Dan James at the back gate as I'm heading towards them and I see both of them look up and go, wow, and their arms go up in the air. And I turned around and I looked at that Globetron and I said, 220. And I was like, that's so cool because I'd, I'd never marked a 220 in a, you know, a five-judge situation like that. And so, yeah, that was, that was really, really exciting. And I, what were you? Th- you had to go third, didn't you? Fifth, I think. Fifth. So I go out and hand the horse to... Katie, my groom, and they get drug over for the interview stuff, and so I'm getting interviewed, and then, then Robin's in the warm up there in front of me on Oscar, and what did you say to me? Good job, good job. And I said, well, you, I said you go out there and beat it. And so um, Robin went out there four runs later and marks at two twenty and a half. And listening to the commentary, it's hysterical because it's uh, the commentary was from somebody we know really well named Pete Kyle, and he. Uh, when I start running my circles, he comments about Warwick going and marking a 220. And he said something to the effect of, watch out, Warwick, your wife's coming for you. 
Yeah, so it was fun. We had a great, that was like that, that run will be forever. Yeah, that'd be one of the highlights of my life, that run and coming out and having everybody, you know, in the stands. I love the picture we got with my hand up in the air and all the Aussies in the stands with their both hands up in the air. And yeah, we've got great. these great pictures. So as Robin's walking out the towards the back gate, she's getting close to the back gate. So right along the rail right there is Jane and then I think Dan and Dan Elizabeth. James and Elizabeth James and maybe Emma or Sky, yeah. who was uh, Dan's groom. But yeah. then we've got the, the head vet for the Australian team. We've got... The show jumping coach, I think, for the Australian team. We have is Lucy there? I don't think so. So I think we had the the new CEO for Equestrian Australia. I think she was in that, okay. and then there was uh, oh there Michelle, was, who organizes the whole thing. Yeah, like she's the main e- Equestrian Australia. And so they're all got their Australian on. uniforms on, and it's right as they've announced the score. And Robin's pumped a fist in the air. And so this picture's taken from the other end of the arena. A lady named Alton Corrigan took this picture from the other end of the arena. So Robin's got a fist in the air and the whole rail in front of it, everybody's on it and they've got their Australian uniforms on. They're all jumping up in the air and their hands are above their head and they're all screaming. Yeah. So that was, I was the fifth one out of 20 to go. And I was the, at that point, Warwick was the high score. Then I overtook him as the high score. And then we had to sit through the rest. I mean, we both, didn't think that the scores would hold up, but we got pretty darn close. 221 made it into the finals. I was so out of the 20, I was sixth and you were seventh or something. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. yeah well, but we you, both were once, missed you were the one finals. spot out of like an individual final too. I don't think either of us, like my horse probably couldn't have done another run. No, I didn't, I don't think I had. It, we would have been a two o nothing, you yeah, know, if I, we'd I have had to run in, it, and it was a run in pattern, and I'd never done a run in on my horse, so yeah, I probably. And then you did last year for yeah, for run for a million, and and it wasn't good. Pooped himself, so yeah. yeah, we didn't. Yeah, so good thing we didn't have to really like. Good thing we didn't have to run a third time. But it would have been a big deal to make the make the final. It was still a big deal. It was still yeah, it was still a big deal to get done what we what we actually got done. So. I think one of the coolest things for me for WEG was there had been this whole culmination of us, you know, learning new things and looking at things new with new eyes and, you know, going a little bit deeper about, you know, put the horse first and before the sport. And WEG just, I guess it culminated there that it just, my whole outlook on competing changed after that. Like, up until that point, I had always gauged my success on whether I won a blue ribbon or not. I guess red in Australia, right? Red's no, no, first no. place. Blues blue. in Australia. It's in Europe that the. Oh, uh, okay. So red. blue ribbon is is win. first place. So you know, whenever I go into a class, I went in there to win. And so what I guess culminated for me at WEG was that. You know, all the stuff about doing it the way we wanted to do it and the new definition of what was successful to me. Like for me, it was just I I knew that winning was not an option. Like we didn't have the best horses. There was no way we were going to win. So, you know, recalibrating it to we're representing Australia we're riding our own horses who live in a pasture together, who have whiskers because we haven't shaved them. 
and they have bite marks on them because they are pasture mates. And, you know, we're keeping their needs in the forefront of our minds and to just do the best that we could on the given day and then to go and kick ass and be so calm about it and have such a great experience. And it just, it, it redefined, you know, how I feel about showing anymore. And so I guess that's just a, that was the biggest takeaway from this whole, you know, 18 month experience of, of the WAG journey for me. You know, it's funny, I'm reading a book right now called Horses and the Mystical Path. Who I got from my astrologer. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, but last night I uh, saw a, a passage in there and it said, for people who, are, so I was talking about, uh, you know, the, the mystical path and the, like spiritual path with horses, and it said, for people who are already involved in the equestrian community where competition at horse shows often takes centre stage, the mystical path can shows can pose many new challenges. From the mystical stand vantage point, it's clear that horses suffer when they're exploited for the purpose of aggrandizing their riders or owners, but participation in horse shows doesn't need to turn into an egotistical contest. When we honor the mystical path, we infuse every activity with a spiritual undercurrent. We can bring a different set of values to events and competitions by setting different standards for our own behavior. By maintaining a mystical connection with our horses regardless of the activity we're engaged in. Competitions themselves don't necessarily interfere with the mystical path, but the new way we can participate in them can. And I think that really kind of sums up the whole the whole week journey. You know, we want we wanted to do it, but we wanted to do it uh, you know, kind of honoring the the kind of new set of eyes we've got on everything we do with our horses and I we did it. Yeah, not only did we get to do it that way, we actually probably had more success doing it that way than we've done doing it. Any other way. Yeah, imagine that. Mm. Any other way we've done it before. So uh, you get any more? Well, just I guess we got out of there just in time for Hurricane Florence to oh, yeah. slam in. and. So the raining got the raining finals was Saturday night. Uh, Sunday morning we got up and left. Before the hurricane. Before the hurricane. It was pretty heavy rain. Yeah, it was, it was pretty r- heavy rain. We drove in heavy rain for about four hours, but the hurricane was coming from the east and we were heading west, so we were heading out in front of it. They cancelled the dressage, right? Uh, they they cancelled the... Freestyle? The freestyle, the dressage freestyle, because we went and watched the dressage. Right, we went and right. watched Brett yep. Parbury. Um, so they, after the rain is clear out, then the vaulters have that big indoor arena and they had tried to maybe try to get the freestyle dressage in there but that logistically it didn't work out or something or other and and so i think they cancelled the dressage and then there's a big schmazza with the cross country no, the endurance endurance yeah there's a big big schmazza with the endurance there with the yeah they started some horses off in the wrong direction and then restarted the race and then they called it off, or they called it off the first time when they found out that some horses went off in the wrong direction at the start. Then they yeah. stopped that, and they restarted the race, and then uh, and also, and they yeah, they restarted it twice, and didn't ever finish it the second time. At one point in time, we had someone come over and tell us they'd been over there and they just saw a, a camera crew get escorted out of there at gunpoint. <laughs> um, someone said they saw, I think it was a New Zealand guy jump off his horse and knock an official out. (laughs) 
and then someone else came back and said that the Sheikh, who's really big into Sheikh of uh, UAE or Saudi Arabia, one of them, they're really big into the uh, endurance. He had just said, I want to stop this whole event now and I will host it somewhere in Europe in six months' time. And I will, and all the disciplines, not just the endurance, and I will pay for every horse, every groom, every owner, every rider. To, I'll fly them all there. I'll pay the whole thing. You got to redo this thing all over again. We are actually kind of excited. We're about like, that. oh yeah, we'll Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Because how it and you know, I guess to end this podcast, what we've heard now is that that was the last World Equestrian Games where they will have every discipline together because of the logistics of having it in one one venue is just too great to overcome. So we've been told that they won't. It just won't happen anymore that each individual discipline will have their own final for whatever that is and you know for the reigning most of that'll just be in europe i imagine so yeah so you know we got to be part of for australia we got to be part of the first reigning australia team and the last reigning australia team so that's pretty cool yeah it was uh twice in a lifetime yeah the first one we thought you know at the time we thought it was a once in a lifetime thing and it was kind of like marriage, childbirth, world of question games, and that order sort of thing. Now we have two of them. Now it's... Well, I only have the one because I didn't get to show it the first one. Now it's marriage, childbirth, world of question games 2018, then world of question games 2010. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a pretty cool thing to be a part of, and we're pretty, uh, pretty blessed to have had that experience. But, uh, you know, and I think it'll only just add to whatever we plan to do in the future, that experience. Yeah. And both horses are doing well. It's two years on. Petey's pretty much had a vacation since then. Yeah, Oscar, Petey just hangs out. He's fat. Oscar, I showed him a couple times last year, and he did well. And this year, I was I was going to qualify again for the run for a million. They have a big non-pro class, and I got qualified, and two days later, they canceled it because of this darn virus we're going through. So maybe next year. Maybe next year. Mm. Okay, well, that was a great chat. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, hon. Okay. And... Uh, Thank you guys for listening and uh, join us again next time for another podcast. Thanks for listening to the Journey On podcast with Warwick Schiller. Warwick has over 650 full-length training videos on his online video library at videos.warwickschiller.com. Be sure to follow Warwick on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram to see his latest training advice and insights.